Amen. I'm honored and excited to share the word with y'all this uh, morning. But before I do, I want to welcome up two fresh MCs. They're going to drop a hot new collab. Can we get Brother Daryl from Chicago? Amen. And Brother Bo, they're going to drop it like it's hot. Let's just stand up right now. Let's get hype. Y'all better act like you want it. Come on, somebody. All right. Praise the Lord, y'all. Come on. God. Come on. Give them some praise. It's honestly not about us, right? It's about Jesus and giving glory to God. Um, we want to have Lawrence or Rudy on the drums. Give us a little beat. Give us something. This is a wicked generation where it's hard to succeed. There's so much evil in the air, it makes it hard to breathe. The devil tries to keep us blinded, so it's hard to see. That even though it's latest sin, there's still a way to be free. My eyes are open to the lies I see through the surface. False prophets make me cry because they're killing the churches. I'm willing to die if that is my purpose because God has called me to spread his gospel on the earth. And, uh, we out here now, though. They like, hey boy, where you going? I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to deepen the roots. We going to plant seeds in these people, hey. Hey, Ted. Yo, follow it this way, ain't no delay. Uh, hey, all right. Okay, freestyling, freestyling. A little bit slower, bro, a little bit slower, freestyling. Yo, yo. I got it, I got it. Check it. Let's kill that, let's kill that. Hey, let's kill that, let's kill that, let's kill that. Check it out. Kill it. Check it out, listen. Right here. Check it out. I'm following this way, and ain't no delaying. I'm praying to shoot biblical verses like an AK. 
demons dead, they decaying, and we ain't playing, they obeying, fleeing. The name of Jesus is all I say. Amen. And him is my identity. My heart is apart from the mark of the start of where my sin would be. They mad they not offending me. The bark is a dart thrown in dark, I'm parked in spiritual amenities. Nails dirty from scratching their itching ears. The more hurting from false doctrine leaving me fear. Because bad teaching leads to mad leeching and man pleasing over retired reaching into a bag leaking peer. Pressure from what I call sacramental sodomy. Aggressor, anathema, spiritual lobotomy. The compressor of the universe had his son to die for me. So I'm a professor of the light. He's in me, so I gotta be. I'm guided by the best. Put it to the test and took him at his word. He never gave me less, so I must confess. Man, I, I was a mess, but then I had faith on his promises. And that week in my flesh, he won't stall. No matter what you say, he on call. But you want to be a boss hog. Something like you ain't called. You got no gall because you spiritually raw dog. No protection. Don't be a Saul until you're getting your lesson. This power and this presence this peace so pack in this presence let's go amen amen haven't you heard actions speak louder than words as i observe the fruit that's produced on the tree i can see who you actually serve this is absurd you got some nerve thinking you fooling me stop with the foolery i ain't impressed by the way that you dress i can still see the mess that you have behind all of that jewelry mm. come on <laughs> come on come on come on Come on. Yo. I'm not stepping on cryptos when I invest in cryptos. Yo, we preach the gospel. My bros, we don't tiptoe. Now I'm in the field like I'm kicking field goals. See, we all need Jesus the Savior. This is a map to the maker. We keep on shocking the world, like blowing fuse, pull the breaker. We keep on going, ain't no stop signs. We faith fam, don't need a bloodline. The whole world's in his hands. Come on. Don't be deceived. Many will come in his name, prophesying and speaking his name, casting out demons and doing some wondrous things. Remember the ones, the lawless ones, what Jesus will say? Wait for me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. Get from me. Not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones that are doing the will of the Father will enter his presence. Woo! That is a hard pill to swallow. He is a hard one to follow. On. Tell me, do you feel that? Come on. Amen. Come on. Come on. You good? All right. Let's do it. Let's go. All right. Let's give it up for them brothers spitting that hot fire. The best is yet to come. Amen? How many are pumped to hit the streets today for Jesus? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. I want to preach this passage. It's one of the more easy uh, texts of Scripture to unpack because I feel like Jesus, he's basically just preaching to his disciples. Amen? 
in this, what we're about to read, if you've got a red letter Bible, it's all red letters. And it's Jesus preaching to his disciples and teaching them about evangelism, just like I'm going to teach y'all today. Amen? And the context here is very important, too, because not only is he talking about how to preach, but the context here is a short-term local mission trip. Amen? How many are you from, uh, are, are from Chicago? Y'all live in Chicago. Okay, so this is your own backyard, amen? This is your own neck of the woods. These are your people. These are your gente, amen? And, and so you are going to your people. You're not going halfway across the world. You're not getting on a plane. You're not taking a road trip. But you are going to your own backyard, preaching to your own people, amen? You might even meet somebody you know out there, your old friend from high school or a family member. How many know that's very possible, amen? And maybe you've ran into people doing the thing before out here in these streets, amen? It's a big city, but it's a small world. Amen. So there's a lot of parallels to what Jesus is doing with his disciples and what we're going to do today. And the long and the short of it is Jesus is equipping his disciples. Someone say equip. Equip. So I want to equip you to preach the word and to do the ministry. Amen. Let's look at chapter 10, verses 1 to 8. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the name of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instruction. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And that will be the title of today's message. Freely you have received, freely give. Now I'm just going to read these first eight verses, but I want to encourage you, read the whole thing. Amen? Even on the bus today, on your way down to downtown Chicago, just read it on the bus. Take a few minutes, talk in tongues, meditate on these words, because like I said, this is Jesus directly preaching to and teaching his disciples about what it means to go out and live by faith and share their faith. Amen? And so uh, you, we, I will make many references to uh, things found elsewhere in the chapter, but that's going to be it for now. Here's what I want to set up as our goals and our outcomes, and this is what I believe Jesus wanted to teach his disciples and what I want to teach you. Number one, the goal here and the outcome of this message and of this training and of this whole weekend is to be more like Jesus and do what he does. Amen? That's what a disciple is all about. I don't know if you knew this, but the word disciple appears over 270 times in the Bible as a designation for those who follow Jesus. Did you know that? Only three times does the word Christian appear as a designation for someone who's a Christ follower. Now, if you call me a Christian, I have no problem with that. I'm glad to be called a Christian. But understand, a disciple, that means a devoted student, a follower of the Master Jesus. Amen? That you have laid down your life to follow Jesus, to learn from Him so that you can serve Him and obey Him and be like Him. 
He'll even say later in this chapter, he says, If they call the master of the house Beelzebul, how will they treat his servants? It is enough for a student to be like the teacher, a servant like the master. See, we students, we want to be like the teacher Jesus. We servants, we slaves of Christ, we want to be like the master Jesus. That's what being a disciple is all about. Amen? And so that is the goal of this, because part of being like Jesus is doing what Jesus does, what I like to call doing the stuff, amen? The stuff he talks about. Go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come. Go heal the sick. Go cast out demons. Go raise the dead. Go open the eyes of the blind. Are y'all listening? If you want to be like Jesus, you got to go out and do what Jesus did. You got to talk like Jesus talked and walk like Jesus walked. Here's the second goal and outcome it is to make this a part of your everyday life. See, this is just their training. This is just their training. He's sending them out, but he expects them to come back uh, maybe a few days, a few weeks later. We don't know, but they're going to come back. This is just part of their training. There's going to be a time later on after the resurrection when Jesus gives them what we call the Great Commission, where he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When he gives those words, when he tells them go at that time, there's nothing about coming back. There's nothing about coming back. They're going to go to the Gentiles. They're going to go to the ends of the earth. They're going to go to their martyrdom. And this is preparation. This is on-the-job training, if you will. This is Jesus' internship. It's not just, hey, make copies for me. Get me a cup of coffee. Drive the church bus around. This is real life, real ministry. Amen? Here's the next goal. And that is to depend on God's providence, power, and protection alone. To depend on God's providence, power, and protection alone. He's going to say to them, don't take a wallet. Don't take any money. But depend on the grace and goodness of God. That's my paraphrase. That's what I believe he's saying because he's basically, hey, if people want to put you in their house, let them. If people want to feed you, let them. For the worker is worthy of his keep. But you got to go out there and trust me that I will provide for you through these various means. And that's not just for ministry. That's not just for evangelism. Man, that's the whole Christian life. Amen. Is we're dependent on God. God is our provider. Amen. And then we depend on his power. He tells them, you're going to appear before rulers and judges and kings of the Gentiles even. And and you're going to be asked to give an account. But don't be afraid. Don't worry about what you say. Because it will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. To depend on God's providence. To depend on God's power. To preach the gospel, not by might, not by spirit, but by my, uh, not by might, not by power, rather, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I don't care how wise you are, how influential you are, how charismatic, what a people person you are. It is only the gospel who saves. It is only Jesus who saves. And it is his spirit that convicts sinners and opens their eyes to the light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. We depend on God's providence, his power, and his protection. And so much of this chapter is all about persecution, warnings, 
of the various ways you can expect to be rejected, mistreated, persecuted, put out, even killed for your faith. It's not a guarantee that all of these things will happen, but this is a general uh, warning that as you go out into this cold, cruel, dark world, the same world that crucified our Jesus, you can expect that they'll treat you the same in these various ways. And so these are the goals. These are the outcomes. We're going to revisit these at the end when it's, when it's altar time. Amen? But I want to state the word real. Someone say real. real. Someone say it's getting real. Just because we're training, just because we're equipping, right, for something that we're going to take into our daily lives. Because how many know uh, some of you are going to go back home, uh, uh, like the brothers to Florida. Uh, I'm going back to Dallas, right? We're going to go back to our everyday lives. Lollapalooza is but once a year, but we make this part of our everyday lives. This is real life. So I want to hone in on that word real. This is real ministry. Real ministry with real stakes. A real heaven, a real hell. People who receive your words will receive eternal life. People who reject your words will be damned, and it will be worse for them than for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment. That's what Jesus said about these towns you visit. Man, they have the light of God, and they reject it. There are real stakes. There is a heaven to be gained and there is a hell to be shunned. And every person you meet is an immortal soul. They're going to be forever blessed or forever burned. And what is the dividing line? What is the difference maker? It's Jesus Christ. Everyone has to do something about Jesus Christ. Everybody has to reckon with Jesus because the scriptures say that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, everybody will meet Jesus someday, whether they want to or not. It's an inevitability. But what we want to make sure is that they're right with him today, to call them to account today. Today is the day of salvation. Today he beckons those that are on the streets experimenting with drugs, experimenting with perverse lifestyles to find some, side of, uh, some sort of satisfaction and validation. This is where gentle Jesus calls out to them, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. This is an invitation. This is today that they have this wonderful opportunity to get out of the mud and the mire and to be the children of God. But the Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. They have the opportunity now. They feel the spirit now. They're hearing the gospel now. There's Christians around them now. But if they choose to walk away and forget, that opportunity will not always be there. Are you listening? And we're not promised another day on God's green earth. We're not promised another breath of God's air that he so graciously gives ungrateful sinners. And they have to know this. There are real stakes. There's a real heaven and there's a real hell. These are real people. These are your neighbors. Real folks with their own stories, right? And Lord knows I don't want to make evangelism about let's sit down and hear your story. But these are real people. They don't care where you're from. Amen? They don't care how you got here. Amen? That's not what they need. They have a whole history. 
they have a whole mess of sin in their life that explains the person that they are before you. Okay? And so these are real people. They speak your language. Jesus said to his disciples, don't go to the Gentiles or even the Samaritans, but only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. We're not saying go to Zimbabwe. We're not saying go to the Philippines. You don't have to learn a new nation. You don't have to learn a new culture. A lot of these people are a lot like you in your BC days. Amen? And some of you are not very far removed from that. Amen? Come on, somebody. And so you know these people, right? I was a pothead. I was a pothead. If not for the grace of God, go but I. Like any of these freak leaks we see out on these streets. See, that, that would have been me. That would have been you, half naked. That would have been you, smoking a blunt, right? These are your people. These are real people with real souls and a real destination of heaven or hell. And then we have real devils and real persecution. Real devils and real persecution. The devil doesn't care that this is just a training and equipping thing, that this is just, oh, we're just getting hyped up. This isn't just practice for us. This is real life, and the devil doesn't care. He will steal, kill, and destroy, and he will use whatever means he is able to snuff us out, to destroy our faith, to destroy our souls or our our bodies, if at all possible. So much of this chapter deals with persecution. He says, be prepared to be flogged, some of you. Be prepared to be thrown in prison, some of you. Be prepared to be betrayed by family members, some of you. I can say the same thing here. here this, this might sound controversial. We cannot guarantee your safety. We can't guarantee your safety. We can't. We will use wisdom. We're not reckless. Amen. How many know we're not reckless? This ain't our first rodeo. It's our second or third rodeo. We use wisdom. We're not looking for trouble. We're not looking to just, you know, do stuff for the reels. Amen. Some people will want to instigate and and cause a whole clown show for the reels and put people in danger. That's not our MO. But even though we are wise as serpents and innocent as doves, we can't guarantee your protection. Not even Jesus guaranteed their protection. Not even Jesus said, listen, don't worry about any of that. You will never face rejection. You will never be persecuted. You will never be slandered. You'll never be doxxed. He didn't say that. In fact, he promised the opposite. You can expect all of these things to come. Call it an occupational hazard. It comes with the territory. And so you can be doxxed. You can be surrounded by a mob. You can be rejected by family members. You can be fired. All of these things can happen as a result of what happens even today. Even today. And it gets realer as we go around the world. Global Christianity, Christians in Nigeria, Christians in the Middle East, Christians throughout history who have given their blood for the gospel. They understood these words. And that Jesus is not promising us a life of ease. He's not promising us the American dream that we're just going to have a nice house in the suburbs, white picket fence, two-car garage, and we get to just live to retire and, and just live out our days in comfort. No, that's not a promise for these men. And he promises quite the contrary. There's real devils, real persecution. But guess what? There's also real miracles. Come on. What does it say here? He called his disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He gave them authority. 
Someone say authority. authority. You have authority in Jesus' name to drive out impure spirits. Like I said, there's real devils, but we trample them all in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He says to them in verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is real. We serve a real God. We serve a real God who is the Lord of all creation. He made your body. So when you see somebody with a sick, malformed, contorted body from some disease, some malady, our God who spoke the heavens and earth into existence and continues to sustain that existence by the word of his power can speak a word to bring that body into order, to drive out the cancer. I'm believing for terminal illnesses to be healed today because we serve a real God with real power who is at work in our midst. What are you believing for? During the transition time, Sister Lauren said uh, that, that we should all be thinking of three things we want to see today. Think about that for a moment. I want to see someone rescued from trafficking. Come on. How many know someone's out there? Someone's out there. And I'm praying for eyes to see, to see what's going on in front of me. Because you know these folks are hidden in plain sight. These boys and girls and men and women, they're hiding in plain sight. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. And give us that opportunity. We serve a real God who does real miracles. To heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse those who have demons. Freely you have received, freely give. I want to ask someone to come up to the keys. I thought I had a lot more preaching in me, but I think we'll have more time for the altar, and I think that's beneficial for us. Amen? Freely you have received, freely give. What have you received from God today? Have you received your sanity? You were once insane, living the crazy life. Have you received sanctification? You were once a pure, uh, an impure, defiled, wicked sinner, but God has purified your heart and made you holy and clean. What have you received from God? I remember when I first became a Christian, I couldn't shut up about Jesus. And Lord knows that many people wanted me to shut up about Jesus, and they told me in no uncertain terms, shut up about Jesus. But I was over the moon for Jesus. I was, so, I was in love with Jesus, and I still am. Amen. Now, now let me just say this as an aside. In the Christian life, you often start with wildfire. Amen. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You get saved, and you're on fire for Jesus, and everybody knows it. But you don't go from wildfire to no fire. You don't go from wildfire to the frozen chosen. You go from wildfire to controlled fire. You become disciplined. And you become more effective with the use of fire. Because wildfire, man, I'd rather have that than no fire. But wildfire can be destructive. Controlled fire can be harnessed and used for the purposes of God. I remember when I first got saved. 
on fire for Jesus, telling everybody, all my classmates, all my coworkers, all my family members, much to their chagrin, about the good news of Jesus, because I knew this one thing. Jesus saved me. God loves me. He's been good to me, and I wanted the whole world to know about it. I want to invite our altar workers up today. There are some very specific things I want us to pray for. So let's have altar workers up here. There are some of you who have been hiding these past few days. You've been hiding in the background. Come on. You know you have. You haven't had a testimony to share because you haven't stepped out. And you haven't stepped out because you're dealing with discouragement or unbelief or maybe just a little pride, poquito pride. Man, I want what do you what do we want to see God do today? God's going to use you today. Let's have faith today. So as we begin come up to this altar now. That's you. You're going to stand up today. God's going to use you today. You're going to speak up. You're going to get your eyes off of you and get your eyes on the master Jesus. Come up to this altar for prayer. And I just want to reiterate those things we said at the beginning. What are those outcomes? We want to be more like Jesus and do what Jesus does. Come on. If you want to be more like Jesus, come up to this altar. If you have trouble having faith to depend on God's providence, power, and protection, I want you to come up. If you want boldness to make this a part of your everyday life, I want you to come up in Jesus' name. Receive an impartation from the Holy Spirit. anyone else we're going to put some more altar workers down here it's wonderful to see these altars filled if there's anyone else come on up come on up we've got time for you today amen amen come on come on hallelujah Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. You are good to us, O oh God. All that you give us, God, you give us freely. And today you're pouring out your spirit freely on those who want you, God. They want you. They want more of you. Each and every one of you up here, God is pouring out His Spirit. It is free, free to receive. 
You can have as much boldness, as much power as you need today to be his witness, as much encouragement as you need. Hallelujah. We're not in a hurry. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Just go ahead and sing that out. Pour out your spirit. That's a good one. Thank you. Those of you who are in, in your seats, you can worship with us. Those receiving prayer, just receive from the Lord. God is a good Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. of his saints each one of these up here are so precious God is placing calls upon their lives God is placing spiritual gifts upon them this is just like how the Bible says when Paul laid hands on Timothy Timothy spiritual gifts were activated hallelujah this is Jeremiah Jared's son we pray for gifts to be activated as the man of God lays hands on him. Just a few more times, let's worship as we pray. Pour, Pour out your spirit. Come on up here, Logan. Let me pray for you. Come on. Just raise up your hands to heaven. I want to pray that you see things that others don't see and that your camera captures it so that when it goes across social media it will inspire the hearts of millions father i thank you for behind the scenes oh god i thank you for the creative gift that goes unnoticed god but captures the moment oh lord i pray lord as he weaves in and out oh god of what you're doing that lord that you will take that which was behind the scene and place it in front for the world to see oh god Oh, Lord, as he stands in the background, let what he puts out to the foreground change the world. Lord, I pray for videos to come forth from social media to documentaries to reality shows to TV shows on networks, Father God, to movies, to blockbusters, all for the glory of God. and I to see what you see to tell the story of what you're doing here make him like a Frank Bartleman who documented Azusa Street so generations could see it oh 
Father, do it in the name of Jesus. Bless him, his family, and all that he does. Amen, brother. Hallelujah. Pour out your spirit. Pour out. Pour out your spirit. On his sons in glory. Yes. Pour out your spirit. Pour out your spirit. Lord, I thank you for all those who are up here. If you haven't come up yet and you just feel the Lord drawing you, just come on, come on. Those who are being prayed for, we pray for Mas Espiritu Santo in el nombre Jesus, more of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Rivers flowing through you. Rivers flowing through you. For the glory of God. For the glory of God. As the Spirit was moving over the waters at creation to make something that had never existed before, may the Spirit of the Lord brood over your heart and your life today to create in you a destiny and a purpose that the world has never seen before. Come on. As the Spirit was moving over the waters, come move over us. Rest on us. Come on, as the Spirit, as the Spirit was. you hear that chorus believe it right now and receive it with dreams and visions that's how the Lord gave us a hundred thousand fifty churches five hundred around the world is because after I prayed a prayer like that dreams and visions came to my heart few moments right now can change your life we'll go back to singing that chorus in just a moment but make sure you're ready to receive Think of where you're going to go, what God has for you, what you will do in his name. Because when the Spirit was there as the force of God in the person that we know as the Holy Spirit, as he was there, he was ready to enact the blueprint of God. And you know this, the young people call this manifestation, we just call it the Word of God, faith, amen? So now as we get ready to sing this again, let's sing it over the blueprint that God's going to give you. Are you going to pastor? Are you going to be a Bible study leader? Are you going to be a prophet? Are you going to go out and be an evangelist? Are you going to start a business? Are you going to get married, have a family? Are you going to homeschool your kids? Are you going to start a high school club at the public school? You know, it's like, where is that blueprint? Because it's not just what we do here that God is, God is moving for. It's not just to have the service be a great service. It's that the service puts us to do the service. The service leads to the service of God in the world. Amen. So as the Spirit was moving over the waters, come move over us, over my life, over my family, over this ministry. 
over each one of my children's lives. Give us a blueprint, oh God. Yes, Lord. Come rest on us. One more time as the Spirit was moving over the waters. I want the prayer to happen here as God ordained it to happen. But I want everybody to hear me who can. Those who are praying, please keep praying. I was sitting in the back, man of God, you know as I do, always listening to what the Spirit is saying before a service. Do you see a note there in a scripture? That's, that's how I preach. You know that, right? I usually just have a title, and then I have a verse. I was sitting in the back, sister, and I said, God, why did you just give me a sermon to preach? Jared always preaches at least an hour, an hour and 15 minutes, doesn't he? He always does. But the Lord gave it to me. So I said, okay, I'll just write it down. Those who are not praying, may you take a seat. <laughs> And hear a second sermon. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it's not to dismiss the man of God's sermon in any way. I didn't know the brother was only going to preach a short time. It's the Lord. Can I hear confirmation? Amen. But I don't want anyone being prayed for to feel like they have to be in a hurry. I'll keep the attitude of worship and prayer as long as we need. As these brothers set up about five or six chairs, I'm going to call up some special people to come sit in these chairs as I, as I do this sermon. I'm going to ask TJ to grab a chair once he, he puts the chairs up there. Also Rudy to, once he puts the chairs up there, to sit in one of those chairs. Jared to come back and sit in one of these chairs. Tony to sit in one of these chairs as a representation for Jerry because she's watching the kids, I'm assuming. Today you guys are swapping back and forth. Amen. So TJ, Jared, Rudy, Tony, and then Isa, come on up here. How many sense the Holy Spirit here? Amen. You can't make this stuff up, man. Thank you. Thank you. You can't make this stuff up. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Jared, that was a powerful service, man. I'm just telling you, the Lord, I mean, <laughs> and then you said that, man. In just a moment, I'm going to let some of these folks that are up here share a little bit. We do want to be mindful of the time, but today is one of those days I don't feel bad about keeping you late because we don't have the night to worry about. It, you know, Thursday and Friday, it was like, man, I got to get them home early so they can go to work and do some of the things that they did. I got you all day. Amen. <laughs> well, the Lord's got you. I'm just a servant, you know. So I can't pull the, the God told me to keep you here till four in the morning unless he really did because then I'll lose my job. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. You know, pastors say they hear from God and sometimes you wonder if it's just their insecurity, but no, I didn't need to speak during this time. I was just waiting my turn for Sunday to speak to the congregation, and my wife and I just greeting each and every one of you after the services on, you know, Thursday and Friday. That was our modus operandi. But like I said, the Lord put this in my heart, 
And I just want to make sure that I'm also honoring him with those that are up here. And so uh, Issa's up here, TJ's up here. Okay, all right. So I think I have room for one more. You guys put six up here? Yeah, perfect. I'm going to ask uh, my wife to come on up here. Can we give it up for Nancy as she comes? Amen. And thank you for every, can we just give it up for all of them coming up here? Amen. If you look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 1, the title of, of the second sermon for, for our service today, it's like a conference, is what did you go to see? What did you go to see? Notice this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. After Jesus had in, finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach. Everybody say, teach and preach. Amen. We always doing that, teaching and preaching in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, he when John was in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Messiah and he sent his disciples to ask him, talking about Jesus. Okay, so John's in jail, he can't go to Jesus, so he sends his disciples to go ask him this question: Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Now you want to know what's so strange about that? is that John the Baptist is the one who announced the coming of Jesus. He was on Jesus before anybody else was. He was literally called the forerunner. How was he now asking the disciples that he was teaching about Jesus coming, being a forerunner? How was he now asking them to go check on Jesus? Hardships will mess you up. And if you're not careful, it will bring you to the pits of despair. John was in prison. It didn't take very long until he had his own doubts. Brothers and sisters, if you ever face doubts in your hardships, do not feel discouraged that you are alone in there. John the Baptist being locked up in jail within a few days of getting bread and water and getting beat on. And of course, we know where he ended up, his head on a platter. It led to him saying to his disciples, Hey, hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, man, hey, man, you, you got to go check on him. I told everybody he was the Messiah, the coming king of Israel. Man, I am in jail. I am locked up. They won't let me out. Man, you better go talk to him. Go find out, man. Go find out because, if, man, if, if this is how it's going to end for me, I got to know one more time. And I, man, I just want to encourage you today. It's okay to have doubts, but just remember this, doubt your doubts. Don't make doubts louder than the word of God. John sent his disciples, and this is what he had in his heart, trust that whatever they would come back with, he knew he could rest on it. And if it was coming from Jesus, it would be the word of the Lord. And so faith would come by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. So brothers and sisters, it's okay to ask the Lord to speak his word to you again in your times of doubt. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that wasn't the sermon. But somebody needed that. Somebody, somebody needed that. That wasn't the sermon. That's not even what we're talking about, really. But somebody needed that because so often we as Christians, we go to the, to, to, you know, to the conference, we go to the mission trip, we get all hype, and then when we get the doubt, we feel like, man, we can't talk to nobody. No, man, you, you, you need to ask TJ to go check on Jesus for you sometimes, amen, and for TJ to come bring back a word to you to encourage you, amen. I need to check on Tony and say, Tony, Tony, man, go talk to Jesus for me. What is Jesus saying? What is Jesus doing? Because, Tony, I'll trust you when you come back and talk to me. Amen? 
So Jesus replied, and I love Jesus, because he did rebuke people for their unbelief, didn't he? Uh, he rebuked them when they got scared in a storm and woke him up. Uh, he rebuked them when they couldn't cast the demon out the boy. He, Jesus knew how to rebuke people. He loved them so much, sometimes he called them Satan. Amen? So don't get mad at me, the preacher, when sometimes i got to correct and rebuke you. Amen? At least I haven't called you Satan yet, unless, unless you're this one. No, I'm kidding. I was going to point this up, but I never call anybody Satan here. But Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus says to him, Go back. I can see this with compassion, Jesus saying this. Go back and report to John what you hear, what you see. The blind are receiving sight. The lame are walking. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. I could just imagine Jesus saying to John the Baptist through those disciples, It's all right, man. It's happening out here. It's going to be all right. The kingdom is coming, John. The kingdom is coming. You may not see it. You may be alone. You may feel like nobody cares about you, John. But it's happening right now. There are times when you will feel like, I don't see it. I'm not in Asbury. I'm not in Kentucky. I'm not at this church. I'm not at this revival. I'm not at this thing. And you're just standing on a corner preaching. You're just going to your friends and you're sharing your faith. And you may not be seeing it, but brothers and sisters, you need to believe that someone is, that God is doing it somewhere. And that if you remain faithful, your time will come. And then you'll be the encouragement that others are talking about you'll be the one that others are talking about when people come here to Chicago and they say oh man I haven't seen something like this before a church making disciples like this winning souls brother sister I started in my house by myself looking up to other churches that were doing it when I had nothing and now others come here and say I got to lap in this water of revival. I got to lap it up because I haven't been around it. I've been in a desert. I've been in a church that doesn't even evangelize. I don't even know if the pastor saved half the time. The keyboardist might even be a homosexual. Come on. I got to come here and lap this up. Or they might be dancing to Bad Bunny, you know, in a, in a party bus. I got to lap this up. But you see, that well didn't come overnight. That well was being dug when nobody was watching. When my wife and I were going to Belmont and Clark, reaching the gay community, being mocked and mistreated, just digging a well. And sometimes it felt like we were digging a well with a little spoon. And then you would come back and see just a little bit of water in there. And you would say, okay, I'll come back and I'll dig just a little bit more, just a little bit more. Go back to the west side, just dig a little bit more. Just go back to Wicker Park, just dig just a little bit more. We're going to talk about these wonderful testimonies up here, but you see, Brothers or sisters, I don't see Jesus rebuking them. I see Jesus encouraging them. But now watch this. Watch this. Look at verse 7. I love this about my Jesus. As John's disciples were leaving, so they're going back to go tell John. Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. So here are the disciples. They're heading back, man. We got good news to tell John. We got good news, John. Jesus is the Messiah. You may not be seeing everything in the kingdom as of right now, but the kingdom is coming. Choo, choo. Hallelujah. Get on that train. But I love Jesus. Now he talks about John. He says to the crowd, 
Because you got to understand, to the, to, to the crowd, John was just a, an unsuccessful preacher. He was weird, man. He didn't dress like everybody else. He was kind of like wearing the sackcloth or, you know, the, the, you know, the, 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 the scratchy garments. He wasn't wearing the, the, you know, the newest stuff. He was eating wild locusts and honey. He didn't look like everybody else. So he had to now explain to the crowd who John really was. He said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A weed swayed by the wind? Someone who just preaches to get on Oprah, preaches for popularity, preaches to write books? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes, wearing the newest Jordans, wearing Versace? How many got to sometimes look at preachers and sneakers and just laugh and say, how did we get here? Would you go out there to see the fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. Whoa, you could be more than a prophet? He's saying about John, John was more than an Isaiah. John was more than a Jeremiah. John was more than an Ezekiel. Yes, this is the one I tell you about. I will send my messenger ahead of you. Help me preach, preacher. Come on. Who will prepare your way before you? Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. He's like saying to the crowd, don't you get it twisted because my brother needed some encouragement. Don't you get it twisted. This is the greatest man that's ever been born to a woman. Yet, notice this, because you're about ready to be blessed right now. Are you ready? Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of God, that's the new covenant. Whoever is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I wanted to give you a couple examples of people who are greater than John the Baptist in the new covenant. It's not because of them, it's because of Christ in them. And so are you. But I just wanted you to see some folks up here because I couldn't see everybody on the stage. We couldn't fit everybody. But I want you to see this is how God uses us. Sometimes we think to ourselves that we have to be the greatest that we have to be the best. And yet the Bible says even the least are greater than John the Baptist. For the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, according to the King James, and the violent take it by force. When Esau first came to me, she was standing right here. And she told me her testimony that someone had led her to the Lord. Who was that person that led you to the Lord? Jesus. Amen. So it was by yourself. And then you brought yourself to church or did somebody bring you here? Um, well, yeah, I asked. The Holy Spirit just reminded me of this church that had told me they didn't, like they literally followed the word of God. So you heard the Lord bring us up in your heart. I came in uh, 2016. Um, you were a teenager then? Yes. And when you got saved in your bedroom or house? My, my bedroom. Mm-hmm. You were like, I need to go to a church. The Lord led you here. Yeah. Amen. Come on, let's give it up for Esau. I want to tell her story now. Watch this. Can we get what the other mic there so they can pass it around? Thank you. When I met her right here, she was telling me, I'm coming out of transgender medication. Were you still on it at that time? Um, I had just gotten off it. I think that... Either, I think, 
It had been a, I don't know how long, but I had just gotten off of it. Just gotten off of it. And she said, Jesus saved me. I want to live for him now. And I want to go be the gender, the person God made me to be. And she could tell that when I was looking at her, she could tell that I didn't know which one that was. And so she said to me, I'm a girl. How many know she's a beautiful girl, a beautiful young lady? Just in a few moments, tell us what drew you to the Lord that day in that house. Just a little bit of that testimony. What made you accept him as your Lord and Savior that day? Um, so it was actually at night that I was saved. I, um, I had been... Um, I had been convicted, I think, a week prior for doing witchcraft um, because for some reason my Bible that I had in my room opened up to the book of Isaiah and I felt the Holy Spirit just uh, really convict my heart because the word rebellion was just in my mind the entire time like I was living in sin for like years and He convicted me with the book of Isaiah, and that night I was then being tempted because um, I didn't want to do witchcraft. I knew it was like a demonic, bad, like terrible thing, and I started to receive um, messages, right, like from the spirits, like, and uh, I would receive like somewhat similar to Christianity prophecies from people, right, like and stuff like that, and so I rebuked it in my room and I suddenly felt half of my body went cold and the candles started flickering in my room and um, I called upon the name of Jesus. I said, Jesus died and rose for my sins. I know you guys are demons and I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And I was filled with the Holy Ghost. There was peace in my room. Hallelujah. I know you have much more to say, but yeah, what happened after that moment? Just, you knew you were saved? You know that story with the lady at the well? Yeah. I literally jumped up after I felt such peace, and I ran to my family, and I told them that Jesus Praise saved me, and God. they were just, like, scared. They didn't even like, know what happened. Like, what? Because I was God. Lawrence, and then I now was Isa. Wow, from Lawrence to Esau. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. And now her family's coming to church, friends coming to church. One was just baptized last week. Praise God. I want you to think about this. What did you go out to see? What did you go out to see? When you came to a church like this, what were you coming to see? Were you coming to see somebody dressed in fine clothes? Were you coming to hear fine lectures of, you know, science and those things? Not saying that those aren't important, but is that what you came to see with somebody great in the world sense of wisdom? Or were you coming to see a voice in the wilderness crying out, make way for the Lord. God has touched me. God has changed me. Make way for the Lord. So you see, that's what you came to see, right? You came to see what God was doing. That's why if you look around at a church like Metro Praise International, there's hardly any of us here with gray hair. I'm still one of the oldest in the church. The young adults 
are flooding into this place because they're coming to see what God is doing. Now, when you go out and preach, what are you supposed to do? Use fine-sounding words and arguments and all of that? No. Set your life on fire so that others can watch you burn. Show them Jesus. Show them Jesus. Show them what it looks like to be a voice crying out in the wilderness. For Tony up here, he's going to represent his wife, Jerry, who was a backslider, who was living in the city doing what she could do to make ends meet. And yet, while she was going to, I believe it was her uncle's bar that she was working at? Yeah. Um, well, no, it wasn't her uncle's bar. Her aunt's bar. Her aunt's bar. Yeah. She picks up a flyer that someone else had thrown down and said, I don't want this. If it had said, come and see uh, somebody, you know, do something like tight roping across the city, they might not have, you know, across a high rise, they might not have threw it down. If it was come see uh, so-and-so strip naked, which it, it just blows my mind now how bra brazen pornography has gotten. In my neighborhood, they tell you the strippers that are coming off Instagram and OnlyFans now to hype you up. Somebody might have received that flight. Oh, she's going to be there, and they might have kept it. But you see, for somebody, there was nothing worth seeing. There was something that they thought was not worth seeing, just threw it down. And she picked it up. And right. tell her testimony a little bit, brother. What did God do? And at that time, a single young lady's life, who yeah. eventually became your wife yeah. and mother of three beautiful um, children. Well, I'll, I'll try to tell her testimony the best I could from memory. But, yeah, as uh, uh, Joel was saying, that she found a flyer to Metro Praise. And uh, she came to, uh, I believe it was one of their Bible studies. And then that, that's how she got connected. And eventually she kept coming and coming, and I believe it was, uh, I can't remember if it was Vanessa or Griselda that had, uh, that had led her back to the Lord during one of their services. And from there, that was, uh, that was, that was the beginning for, for her. She, um, you know, at the time that she was, um, she was working at a bar, yeah. you know, she was working at, actually it was, it was a liquor store, mm. and she was living with her, her boyfriend at the time but then once she got saved she basically renounced all of that and she uh yeah she sold her she sold out for the lord come on and if you don't know who jerry is she's the one that's been leading us in the songs of praise at the uh outreaches there as we gather up amen boldly singing for jesus the man that just preached to you came from this neighborhood right over here just a few blocks down there. The thing about Jared, as I always tease, when he came, Columbine was still on our minds. And when he came, he came as a white boy, which is a little strange because we're mostly Latino around here. You know I got my hente. Come on. And uh, he came, so he stood out, and he was wearing a trench coat. That didn't make the vibe any easier. And then he kept getting up in the middle of the service, pacing back and forth. But some young people invited you that day, didn't they? What were you doing when the young people invited you to the youth group? I was going to that gas station right there to get cigarettes. How old were you? 20. 20 years old. Just going to go get his cigarettes. And yet you got some people that went out of their way, watch this, to invite somebody to church. 
Oh, pastor, do we have to go back out there and do this? Man, I like it when we do a Lollapalooza. I like it when we do Mardi Gras. Everybody's hyped there. We're all in large groups, man. I like it when we do. Come on, I don't want to go stand in front of that gas station. What did you come to see? What did you come to see? Did you want to see this? Because God will do this. Did, did you want to see some concert? Did you want to see the high? Or did you want to see God show up? And touch somebody's life. In a nutshell, man of God, what happened that day in the next few weeks? Well, uh, I was agnostic. I had no belief system whatsoever. No Christian upbringing. No Christian friends whatsoever. So that morning, getting up, I had no plans on going to a Pentecostal church <laughs> like this one. And it was very much the same then as, as it is now. Just, you know, a little diff different paint, but the same... Holy Spirit, a lot of the same people, in fact, uh, that are still my friends to this day. But I, I went uh, to that youth group that was Elevate, what, what? Um, and, man, I was just so touched by the preaching of the gospel that I heard. I never heard it like that before, even though I went to a mainline church a few times. But that was just dead religion. I heard the gospel preached. I saw people worship Jesus with passion like I never saw before. And then we went out evangelizing. I went out with these folks. I still was not converted in my heart, but God was doing something in me. So I went out to Belmont and Clark, Boys Town, that, that part, and uh, went out to witness with these folks. Just in my mind, oh, let's see what they're doing. This could be interesting. Um, and, and God really touched me out there. It was actually there that uh, my wife was my first evangelism partner. Come on. She's not my wife at the time. But she was a, a woman of God, and she had already been in the church. And so I got, I got paired up with her and with some other people. And, but but in, the, in the midst of that, just kind of standing and observing what, what these people were doing, I, I got touched by the Lord, and I gave my life to Jesus the, the next Sunday morning at church, pacing in the back. That was me. Come on. <laughs> Let's give it up for Jesus. What did you come to see? That day when he came into these, uh, to the sanctuary and sat in this sanctuary and saw what was going on, he didn't see people finely dressed. Though it could have been somebody with Georgia, but it didn't matter to him. He didn't come to see somebody just preaching on the politics or, uh, you know, the trends of the day being swayed like a reed. He came to see someone taking forcibly the kingdom of God. And it changed his life. Is that worth it to you? Is that worth it to you? I want you guys to take a good look at TJ. And by the way, ladies, he is still single from what I understand. I think he's ready to mingle. But whenever you hear about the West Side and what's going on in Chicago with our urban youth, this is the picture. If you're trying not to be stereotypical but being honest, this is what you think of. A young African-American male. I've dedicated my life to the African-American community. I've dedicated my life to communities like where TJ came from. And yet, sometimes you're out there and you just feel like they don't want it. I remember one time being in New Orleans, I was in a housing project, you know, the high rises and all of that, and we were trying to get the young people to come to camp. I couldn't pay them to get on the bus to come to camp. I couldn't. Some of the ones that we finally got to go to camp, they got so scared when they were out there. And they started causing all these issues. They wanted to go back with their mom. I had to bring them back. And yet, when you see the young African-American man in our culture, he's almost leading every single thing in media right now. 
leading in music, leading in fashion, leading in sports. Are y'all listening to me? And yet what happened to that inheritance that was handed down from their families about putting God first? You know what happened? The bishops wanted girlfriends instead of disciples. They wanted Cadillacs in the hood instead of building after-school programs. So I'll never forget when I first met TJ, I believe you got saved at Elevate first, right? And someone invited you from the high school to Elevate? Yeah. Who was that person? Ulysses. Where is Yuli now? Yuli's in another state, but we give God glory for Yuli. Come on. <laughs> Yuli's serving the Lord right now. Yuli invited you from Shures. Yeah. Single mom, I can't tell it all for you, and we don't maybe have time to hear the whole story, but we need to have a lifetime movie made after you, yeah. my brother. Amen. What was going on in your life at that time? Yeah, um, during that time, I was 14 years old. Um, I was going through depression, anger, suicidal thoughts, um, hanging out with the wrong crowd, smoking weed, uh, just doing all everything that a teenage boy at that uh, age was doing in the culture. And I remember I was at... Uh, Shures High School, one of my teachers invited me to the Christian Club event, Come on. and it was just crazy. I was just like, okay, cool, and uh, that was the first time I actually met Yuli, and Yuli was like, hey, man, you should come to Elevate, um, you know, you know, really just there loving Jesus, uh, worshiping God, um, and so I actually didn't go, uh, but um, maybe like two weeks later, another friend told me about Elevate, and I didn't know it was the same church or anything. And I was just like, yeah, you know, and, you know, I'll just come through just to see what it is about. And I see Yuli, and I'm like, bro, this is the same church you're telling me about. And so I, like, just easily, like, connected with him. I met uh, somebody else. I met Lawrence that day. And come just on. first time, never felt the love of God. Walked into this place. I felt God's love. I felt come God's on. mercy. I was just like, man, you know, there's something about this place. Um, and then just maybe, a, like, a year later, um, I'm worshiping God. It was a Friday night. We're worshiping God. And I remember God just speaking to me, saying, TJ, you don't have to live like this anymore. You don't have to smoke weed anymore. You don't have to game bang anymore. You don't have to do drugs anymore. TJ, I love you. You're my son. And what pleased with you? And I said, Jesus, all right, here. You can take everything. You can take everything. You can take it all. And uh, that's the first night. That was the first night I started discipleship. Uh, that Sunday was my first Sunday. Um, and I, like, never... Ever since, you know, God's just changed my life. Come on. Let's give it up for what the Lord did in TJ's life. What did you come to see? Come on. Because of TJ's faithfulness, his mother now comes to church faithfully with him. He then brought us to the west side. He said, man, will you come, preacher? Will you come, uh, Joe, and preach on this block, Madison and Pulaski? When we're there, we're in his neighborhood preaching the gospel and you know what when we're out there we're not telling people come see a big church come see a bishop that wears a hundred dollar you know pair of shoes or whatever we're saying come see Jesus Rudy right here who preached the uh, second night for us last night came from Wicker Park as we were starting a church out there and he found a flyer, or was it your friend that found it? My friend. Your friend found it. I was it. with my friend while she found it. So you guys were together, and you saw the flyer. Look at man, people throwing down flyers, but they don't want to see. God says somebody else will come and say, I want to see. You know the thing about Wicker Park? 
Wicker Park is one of the greatest pains of my heart because it was where we attempted to start another campus in Chicago, and sadly, it didn't work out. But you want to know something that's greater than a building? Is this man's testimony. I said, do you want to see something that's greater than a building? I may not be able to take you to Wicker Park today and show you a large building of something that would be impressive, but I could show you Rudy's life. And because of Rudy, Joshua Cruz, our head of security, is here, and families are getting saved where they never had the gospel. Tell it, brother, in your own words. What did God do? So, um, yeah, when Jennifer was my friend, and the flyer was outside of my car door, but Jennifer walks around, she picks it up. It's a grand opening for Wicker Park, Metro Praise Wicker Park that was happening in the fall. We found it like early summer or whatever. Jennifer wanted to go. We said, cool. We did everything together. So I said, sure, I'll go to church with you together. If we got drunk together, we can go to church together. You know what I'm saying? She wanted to rededicate her life to Jesus. She invited me. I went. And similarly to Jared and TJ, you know, when I went inside the church, it's like I had a perma smile, you know? Did I believe in God? No, I was an atheist the whole time. I was an atheist. Um, so I had no care about God. And I always say there's like a spectrum of atheism. I was on this, the side that, that didn't care about any God. I didn't care about believing in God. It's not that I hated God. I just didn't care. So when I came to Metro, um, I, I seen Jerry. Jerry was the first one that greeted me outside the door. You know, we, all three of us walk in, me, Jennifer, and, and our other friend. We walked through the door, and it was in a Chopin theater. And I grew up in Wicker Park, so it was, it was amazing that I got to go to church there. And I, I hear the preaching of the word. There was awesome discussions that went on. But basically, the sermon series was, who is Jesus? Right off the bat, who is Jesus? And similarly to Jared, it's like I never heard the gospel before. I went to years and years of Catholic school. How I never heard the gospel is beyond me. <laughs> I was like, like what, what, what's, what are they teaching there? But I heard the gospel, and, it, and, and I found myself feeling the presence of God and hearing the gospel. And I said, God, if this is you and you're real, I want to live for you. And... I don't know the exact date of when it happened, but I just went all in for Jesus. I went all in. This atheist became a Christian, let me tell y'all. And to me, it was like I'd never seen a Christian church before at Metro Praise. I thought every church out there was, was Catholic, but when I went to Metro Praise, I'm like, this is, this is what church is about. My family didn't approve of me going to church. They said, get out of that cult, get out of there. And I know some people relate to that. But I started preaching at Josh's party, started preaching to my friends, family. And though I lost some friends along the way, Jesus has been good. And God blessed me with quadruple fold of what, what I gave up for him. And like I was saying yesterday, I am beyond blessed because who knows where I would have been if I never committed my life to Jesus. If I would, if, what if I hated God and was like, I don't want to go with you, Jen. You can go by yourself. But because we stopped at that moment, and that flyer was right there, and Jennifer said, God, if you find me an apartment in the city, I'll rededicate my life to you. My life is forever changed because Metro Praise was committed to doing that. Praise God. I've been blessed, y'all. Amen. And I wanted to share. Amen. Bless the Lord, right? And both of these brothers work at the largest and best Christian after-school program in our city helping young people. They are pivotal now to reaching other young people, especially from the west side, going out there into those communities. Last but not least, my wife. Imagine this. 
You marry a man that says, trust me, we're going to do something great for God when all you have is an apartment. I didn't have my job anymore at the church I was working at, but she had to make a decision to trust that God had spoken to us. And what you see right up here, I got prayer walking in that apartment on Pulaski and Addison. Our vision would be loving God, loving people, connect people to the cross with one-on-one -on -one discipleship, mentor them with discipleship through our books, and then send them out with the cross to change the world. And I just felt like the Lord knew I was young and restless in many ways. And so I just felt the Lord say, Joe, how big do you believe I can make this? And I said, Lord, 100,000. I've never seen a church in America, 100,000. I've heard of it overseas. Well, then believe me for 100,000, but not just people attending, not just conference attendees, not just those filling up pews, but disciples with 50 churches, 500 around the world. Amen. But this is where I want my wife to share because she was there day in and day out. You want to know how the youth group started? It started with about three or four kids that we knew from the other youth group that just didn't feel at home there anymore, so they just wanted to be wherever their old youth pastor was. And I said, do not get me in trouble with that other church. So as many as I could shoo back to that other church, I did. But there was just a few stragglers that said, Pastor, do you want us to go serve the devil or not? And I'm like, no. Well, then do something with us. Okay, I'll take three or four of you. And the youth group, young people, everybody get this started with me as the pastor, both doing the Sundays and the youth group on Fridays. The Elevate chant came from a young person we won to the Lord. His name was Tarzan. Pray for him that he'll keep serving Jesus. But it started with four people in a row, and I just got them all together like this. But my wife and I would stand right out there and talk to people as they would come and go. And one young lady got saved, and others got saved. And before we know it, the youth group began to grow. Lives began to change. Some of your parents may have even got saved in that, that, that youth group, praise God. But she saw that begin to grow. She saw evangelism. You know, we were walking around the city seeing about what's going on, what's happening here. We saw Boricua Fest, you know, the Puerto Rican Fest, second largest to New York, you know. And we said, we'll go here and start preaching. And I remember asking some Puerto Rican friends of mine, hey, do you want to go? Because, well, you know, I, I don't know anything about this. And they literally said to me, man, I don't mess with Puerto Rican Fest. I don't mess with my people. You crazy guys if you want to go there. And my wife and I stood there by God's grace on California Division, California North. Just two gringos. Hey, my Borinkins, do you have time to talk about Jesus? Man, I would take my wife to the sketchiest of places, but we would just love people. We were standing on this corner, and one time these young guys were coming out, tattoos all over their face. But you could tell they had been to prison because they looked unique, kind of like prison tattoos. And I tried to give him some information. One dude didn't want, the other dude did. Then he calls me up. That's why I used to put my personal number on there. Now we put Birdo's. Pray for Pastor Birdo. Amen. <laughs> so I got my call around 2 in the morning. My dude just got his head blown off with a shotgun preacher. I don't know what to do. Come pray for me. Come help me. Come do all this. I said, yes, we'll do everything we can. We prayed for him. We showed up at the funeral right there on Cicero, the one that's right there on Fullerton, the one that I shouldn't have been at. <laughs> Within moments, we're at this funeral. Somebody shouts out, they're here, they're here. Gang banging starts in the funeral. I wish I could say I got my wife out with me, but I was the first one out, had to go back and grab her. We running out the funeral house. I'm just trying to encourage somebody to tell you, man, it doesn't always look like it does today. I'm just trying to tell you I'm not always the great man of faith holding the microphone. Sometimes you're scared.
Sometimes you don't feel like anybody's listening. Sometimes you just feel like it's never changing. But here's the question I always hear Jesus ask me. Would you go to see anyways? What did you think I told you ministry was? See, the Lord always talks to me like that. Joe, did I ever tell you you would be famous? Did I ever tell you you'd be wearing Jordans? Did I ever tell you you'd be on? I never told you any of that, Joe. I said, come follow me and make, fish, uh, make disciples of men, you know, be a fisher of men. So Jesus always puts it back saying, I never told you. Any. Why are you feeling sorry for yourself comparing yourself? And you may feel like that, but I just want my wife to encourage you like a spiritual mama right now to let you guys know don't give up on your high school. Because TJs are coming out of it. Because Yuli's going to go there and be faithful like that, right? Don't give up on your family because people are going to get saved out of your family like Esau. Your sister's going to come. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. And don't give up when you're going out evangelizing where everybody's mocking you because somebody might just pick up that flyer and say, I want Jesus. And don't get so mad at them when you see them out there and they mock us because this dude right here mocked Christians and hated Christianity just like all of them did. But God put a call on his life that he couldn't resist. Nancy, would you just be a spiritual mom and tell them not to give up? Share some of your stories if you want. Amen. Yes, I touched on it a little bit yesterday, but I think the most important word that every single believer has to have echoed in their heart is 100% obedience to Jesus. Because too often when you get saved and you know you feel a call of God to ministry, you can't stop thinking about the big thing that God has for you. And oftentimes people lose out on seeing the big thing that God has because they haven't been obedient in the small steps to lead them to that. And so we have to be faithful with a little for God to bring the much. Because to whom much is given, much will be required. And you can't be properly prepared for what God has for you in the sense of that one big thing that you're waiting for when you haven't been obedient and faithful in the small steps. Because if we weren't obedient and faithful to go out into the streets in Belmont and Clark or to go preach to Wicker Park or to stand out in this corner and build Elevate literally from the ground up or this church from the ground up, Jared would never have been reached. Rudy would never have been reached. And so we can't make, we can't take lightly what's in front of us. So if I could encourage you today is be faithful with what God has in front of you today. The assignment that's in front of you today is more important than the assignment that you're waiting for. So don't wait for that big assignment that may be 10 years out because God wants to use all these mini assignments to, to prepare you for that, to instill in you the character of God, to instill in you the fruit of the Spirit, and to be obedient because disobedience is the biggest thing that will cut you off of the race that God has for you. So keep your eyes on Jesus and have a yes in your heart. That's all Joe and I had. That's all Joe and I had when, we, when God said, you're going to stay in Chicago and you're going to plant a church, and all we had was a yes, Lord. And then we had to trust him with the details. And we, and still to this day, it's living one day at a time, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't have to fear tomorrow. We don't have to fret about tomorrow. Be obedient what's one of what's in front of us. And we sing the chorus, right? There's a yes in our heart, and it echoes through eternity. Simple obedience changes history. And every single person on this stage, and all of you guys in the row, are a testament of God's amazing grace, trophies of God's amazing grace, that a yes in somebody's heart and a simple act of obedience changed the course of history for your life. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. Can we all stand up, please? Come on. Would someone grab this mic? 
from Nancy because I want to close out very uniquely before we get ready. Don't leave here because we'll pray for the food. But I want to close out this service before we have lunch very uniquely. Because my wife was the last to speak, I'll start with her. I want you to stand over here, please. And she's going to represent a prayer group because she can't pray individually because we'll be here, you know, till tomorrow. We have, you know, to eat lunch and, and so forth. Or do you want a group picture with them? Yo, please, get a group picture. Yeah, come on. You know we don't normally do this. So this is a special moment. Thank you for being up here for this time. Praise God. Trophies of grace. Amen. So my wife right here is going to represent anyone that feels like you're kind of teetering on discouragement, almost like John the Baptist having doubts, and you need to be reassured today that what you're doing for the Lord in ministry is worth it. So when you come up, she'll wait to those who feel that call. You guys are just going to get in a holy huddle and pray about that, okay? Rudy, come on over here. I want Rudy to represent anyone here. And some of these might be more than one, but just pick the one, right? Just pick the one that maybe speaks to your heart the most. Rudy's going to represent the holy huddle of those who want to see their friends and family saved like Jose and others who are going to maybe be hard to reach and maybe you'll lose some friends along the way, but you really want to believe that. You don't just want to preach to these people out here today. That's awesome. But something's in your heart like you're aching for your brother, your friend, that person that's close to you. Everybody who wants that in their life, that that really speaks to you, I want you to come on up. TJ, I want him to represent the west side, the hurting urban areas to where it's neglected by the church. As oftentimes as I mess with the guy who wants the uh, you know, bishop, who wants the Cadillac and the girlfriend, I also got to uh, point the finger at all the white churches that left the inner city and did white flight to the suburbs. and said, we out of here. The neighborhood changed. We're out of here. Oh, we still love God and people, but we're out of here. One of these Assembly of God churches right on the corner hopped, skipped, and jumped so fast out of here that you know who scooped up that mega uh, church right there? A mosque. Muslims. Used to be an assembly of God church. Now there's hamdulillah going on over there. So I want him to represent all communities in the urban environment. But maybe you're like me because I was from the suburbs of Fort Wayne, Indiana. But God called me to the urban world. Not just the inner city, but the urban to reach everybody in those areas. If you have a heart for that, TJ is going to represent that. Jared is going to represent those who come from atheism and various walks of skepticism. The God-hater the one who's just looking to get high, if you have a heart to reach those kinds of people, like you maybe want to go to college campuses or more concerts or places like that to reach them, there's a, call, there's a calling to do that, to go reach those people that are like Jared, who are thinkers and are, you know, discouraged with the world, you know, who are wasting their time and their talents, come to Jared. And then Tony's going to represent over here the backslider, the prodigal sons and daughters. If you know someone in your life that's a prodigal son or daughter and that really just sticks out to you, you want to see them come back to the Lord as Jerry came back to the Lord as a prodigal daughter. I want Tony to pray for you. And then Esau, if you could just stand right over, uh, Esau, if you could stand over there. Esau is going to represent those in the LGBTQA plus community. 
If you have a heart for that and you want to see them get saved, I want you to do a holy huddle, okay? So in a few moments, these altars should be filled with people. You guys are going to have to spread out prayer workers. And we're going to keep the music low so that whenever you all are in your spots, we then are going to pray that holy huddle for those situations. But let their voice be the loudest so you can hear them pray over that situation. Amen? Come now to the places of your calling. What did you go to see? Come on, what did you go to see? Find your places of calling right now as we get ready to go out there and reach these folks for Jesus. Isn't this powerful? The Lord gave this to me. I had no idea how it was ever going to happen. I mean, Jared, you know Jared. I was like, what a God thing. He gets the most time because he's, he loves it. But when he stopped early, I said, Lord, come on, you're doing something. Part two, friends. Gather around. Once you find that area you feel called to, we're going to start praying in just a moment. But we still have some folks trying to get in. I know we might have to push back some chairs. Whatever we have to do to rearrange this situation to make it happen, please do it. These are just the things the Lord told us to pray for, holy huddles for these awesome opportunities of ministry. A few more moments as we're waiting for you to find your group. Thank you, Lord. All right, I think every, uh, at least most of you have found your groups. Those group leaders, you guys now are in charge. Start to pray when you feel led.